It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're still watching some of the headlines that are coming out. Wall Street Journal is saying that Nancy Pelosi tonight at 5 o'clock Eastern time, not far from where we are right now, 3 o'clock our time, that uh, she will announce the formal move to have an inquiry about impeachment of President uh, Donald Trump. Uh, Joe Biden is also quoted as saying that if President Trump doesn't uh, quit obstructing, quote-unquote, uh, Congress, that then they will have to to move forward. So we'll see exactly what Speaker Pelosi has to say here in a couple of uh, of hours. Uh, as we have discussed over the last several days, last Wednesday and also yesterday, we're anticipating that there will be a lot of conversation, uh, maybe maybe more bloviation about uh, gun legislation and so on, and whether you are for it or against gun. Uh, regulation. I think the conversation, honestly, is is healthy as long as it is a conversation and it's not just posturing. And that concerns me, honestly. And so over the last several days, we've talked a little bit about what we might anticipate. But when you hear a major Democratic politician, someone who has participated in the Democratic debate, somebody who is being listened to in the country, at least by some, and certainly has a bully pulpit right now, When somebody like Mr. O'Rourke says this. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. Okay, how do we react to that? First of all, I know there are people that are cheering. Obviously, we, we heard them. There are some in our society who would really like these types of weapons to not be available. And that's good and fine. That's their, their opinion. There are others who feel very, very strongly about the right to have that weapon. And there are those of us kind of in, in the middle who go, well, you know, <laughs> kind of whatever. But here's the truth and the bottom line. There are millions and millions and millions and millions of these weapons that have been sold legally in our country that are in people's gun safes. And when somebody that says, play that one more time, let's hear that again. Do we have that one more time? And in Odessa, I met the mother of a 15-year-old girl who was shot by an AR-15. Mm-hmm. And that mother watched her bleed to death over the course of an hour because so many other people were shot by that AR-15 in Odessa and Midland. There weren't enough ambulances to get to them in time. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. You know, sometimes I really hate uh, speaking in bumper stickers, but... That AR-15, that, uh, you know, AK-40, the the device didn't shoot the people. The person pulling the trigger shot the people. But what do we do when we're hearing this kind of rhetoric? And the question that I have is, how do you facilitate that? And I thought I'd bring my friend Clark Aposhan, who is the chairman of the Utah Sporting uh, Shooting Sports Council, 
Uh, Clark and I have known each other a long, long time, and we talk about gun issues. We don't necessarily agree on everything, but I always appreciate his point of view. And when Clark tells me something, I really weigh it, and I weigh it carefully. And Clark, this one... There are people that that love that rhetoric and really hope it happens. There are other people that fear that rhetoric, and if it happens, it's kind of the end of the free world as we know it. I don't want to talk about that today. I want to talk about the mechanics of how in the world a great country like ours that has a Second Amendment and all of these weapons over the years, many of them, most of them, have been sold legally. If that campaign promise were to be kept, how in the world would it happen? How do you go out there and collect all of these weapons, the millions of them that are in our gun safes? Well, and, and remember, we're talking about taking firearms from the, the legal portion of the population, the, the 16 to 20 million people that have uh, ARs or, or AK-47s. And, and again, remember, these are the folks, the most law-abiding folks singularly in, in our population, the biggest group of law-abiding folks. And... You know, logistically, are they going to give them up? Are they not going to give them up? That's one issue. What about the criminals that own these? Um, I think that's the bigger question. But logistically, I mean, my gosh, we've got, what, 70,000 some odd illegal drug deaths every year. And you can't you can't get the drugs from these folks. And that's been illegal and, and illegal to possess and to transfer and that. And they hope to get 16 to 20 million AR-15s. You know, I, I your guess is as good as mine as to how they'll do it. I would imagine if it were banned uh, and possession of what uh, such were banned, then every time you you had a car stop, maybe they would facilitate that by an increased ability to search a vehicle. I mean, heck, if they can. Uh, play fast and loose with the Second Amendment and uh, run roughshod over that, I, I doubt that uh, the law of search and seizure is going to be a big hurdle for them either. You know, I've, I've tried to analyze this in my head, and again, not going yay or nay, and I, I am nay on the issue, and the toothpaste is out of the tube on this. I, I think it's an effort in futility, and I think you're going to, as you mentioned, criminals aren't going to turn them in unless maybe at that moment they're more desperate for a, a drug fix than they are to have their AR-15 for what other dubious purpose. But for let's just talk about the legal citizens right now, those those good citizens who have purchased their guns legally. You know, I, I guess there are a percentage of them that would go, hey, I bought it years ago, and what the heck, I never use it, so I'll turn it in and get the money or whatever it might be. But that is a small amount. And then you have those who are really going to be torn up about it. But then you have those who bought it with a purpose they have very, very strong feelings. Some might even des- describe them as extreme feelings. And th- those folks aren't going to turn those guns in. I mean, let's be realistic. They're not going to turn them in. And if the goal is to get all of these guns off the street, I don't know how a candidate, how maybe a future president would do it without serious violation of the Second Amendments and search and seizure and you know, the rights of private property, Fourth Amendment, you know, First Amendment, Second Amendment, and the list goes on. I don't see how a society can do that, especially when they are guided by the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Well, it, it exactly. And Beto is speaking as uh, a proposed candidate and uh, for the executive branch. He's obviously bypassing the judicial as well as the legislative sections of government when he says, hell yes, we're going to take them. 
because uh, I think the judiciary is going to have a say in that as well as the legislative. Yeah, and can you imagine if a president did uh, issue an executive order for something like that, the hue and cry, and boy, talk about calls for impeachment. Uh, it, it's just one of those things where he is playing to a very select audience, but when you analyze it and you really weigh it against what the country stands for and what our rights are, you know, the odds of something like that are so minuscule. But one final quick question for you, Clark. Is there anything inside of our country, the only thing that I can think of outside of our country, have been when dictators and totalitarian regimes are just craving to take the power and the rights from the people will issue something like that. Has there ever been anything similar to this ever? Well, of course, uh, of course, uh, 1775, the Battle of Lexington and Concord uh, was inside what is now our country right now from one government to its citizens um, to disarm them and disarm the fledgling 13 colonies at the time. But that was the, uh, the that was Great Britain going against its citizenry and yeah. killing them. And then we have, uh, I mean, we have 1890, we have Wounded Knee. Um, right here, right in South Dakota, where a massacre by government troops uh, was done. And think of the terms, and this is always precluded by a, a um, you know, a, a requirement to disarm. And we call these things that occurred massacres, battles, and genocides. In the case of, say, the, the, Armenian, the Armenian genocide, it, these are not, you know, favorable terms, genocide, battles, and massacres, that result from a um, an obvious violation of the right to keep barons. Boy, you know, I hadn't even thought of uh, of Wounded Knee. I've read that book by D. Brown, and you're absolutely right. They were they were disarmed. They were under the protection of the government. And boy, the, what what happened there is just a blot and a stain on our history and uh, and on what we truly believe. Clark, always a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for joining us on short notice. No problem. Clark Potion, who is the chairman of the Utah Sport, uh, Shooting Sports Council. And again, it's not so much a yay or a nay on this. It's how in the world would you go about doing it that has been puzzling me. And boy, you know, you heard all the cheers, but you wonder. I mentioned this yesterday. You know, it seems like there's a whole lot of thinking going on right now, but how much of it is really in-depth? And going beyond that first statement or that first impression and going, yeah, but how would that work? And let's think about this just a little bit deeper. Coming up today on Inside Sources, we're going to be talking with Jay Jacobson. And boy, the rise of, uh, of anti-Semitism in our country and white supremacy, all kinds of disturbing things. We're going to chat about that with him coming up here at KSL. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.